It's Daily Thunder, booming out the truth of Jesus Christ live every weekday morning from the Ellerslie campus in Windsor, Colorado. To learn more, visit ellerslie.com. Hi, this is Nathan. This week we have alumni from all over the country here in Windsor, Colorado for our Ellerslie Alumni Summit. And as a part of the summit, we thought it would be fun to take some of the Daily Thunders this week and have some of our staff speak and encourage and edify you. Well, before we jump into today's Daily Thunder, I just want to let you know that Eric's Man Talk Conference is coming up this November 13th through the 15th. If you're a man and would like to be encouraged and exhorted to live a godly, manly life, please consider joining us either here live in Windsor, Colorado, or via simulcast this upcoming November as Eric exhorts men to rise up and be men in this generation. For more information about the Man Talk Conference, as well as how you can register for a donation of any amount, please visit ellersley.com forward slash daily for more information. Now, in today's Daily Thunder, we have a godly man here on staff who is going to be exhorting and encouraging us in the Word of God. So, without further ado, here is Dan McConaughey. Ambassadors of Reconciliation, an issue of warfare. So, some raw materials. There's three words in Scripture in the New Testament that are used for reconciliation. One of them from Matthew 5.24, it says, Leave there thy gift before the altar, and go thy way, and first be reconciled to thy brother. And then come and offer your gift. Just thinking about what we just did, we offered a sacrifice of praise to the Lord. Were you all reconciled with your brothers and sisters before that happened? Now, this applies to a lack of reconciliation or to a quarrel in which the fault may be two-sided or either of one's side. And it's never used with reference to God. The only accountability there is you guys. Now, the ones that we're going to talk about are the two that are used with reference to God, and they're kind of intriguing. In Colossians 1.21, it says, And you that were sometimes alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now hath he reconciled. So that particular one means to reconcile the restoration of a relationship of peace which has been disturbed, indicating the state to be left behind or to leave behind the disturbed state and be reconciled. But remember it says, a recon, it's a, a relationship of peace which has been disturbed. That refers to the world. There was a point in time when our relationship with God as the world was one of peace. There was two people involved in that, Adam and Eve. They had a peaceful relationship with God. They walked with him, fellowshiped with him, had deep relationship with him. And that was disturbed. So Colossians 1 is referring to that relationship. 
The third word means to set up a relationship of peace that has never existed before. And that's all of us. When we entered into this life, we were at enmity with God. Now, the words that are used there, Romans 5.10 says, If when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more being reconciled shall we be saved by his life. So, the, the distinction, or not the distinction, but the point that we have found ourselves in is that of being enemies with God. You know, we think about ourselves, we think of, you know, Joe or Bill or Mary or whoever out there, and our first thought is not, now there's an enemy of God. Our thought usually is, there's my friend, there's a good person, there's my banker, I trust him with my money, and yet, this says if we are not reconciled to God, we are enemies of God. And that word enemies is a significant set of words for us to think about. Um, it means to be, to be hateful. It's actually the word to hate. And it means passively odious and actively hostile. That's who you were before your salvation. It's used to describe Satan as the enemy of our souls and the enemy of the cross and the enemy of God. That's the word that describes us. That's why I say this is an issue of warfare. Reconciliation is an issue of warfare. And it's the warfare that Jesus did on our behalf in defeating the enemy. And who was the enemy? Us, the devil. So, if you are not reconciled to God, then what is your relationship to him right now? Passively odious, actively hateful. That's who you are if you are not reconciled. If you are a servant of God, and think about this. If you are a servant of God, can you be reconciled to another human who is not reconciled to God? Let's take two people, myself and another person. And I am a servant, a slave of God. And he is an enemy of God. Can we be reconciled together? No. We can only have, at best, a superficial reconciliation. So what is the first step in reconciliation to another. The proclamation of the gospel of reconciliation. The word of reconciliation. In reconciliation, there is an initiator and a responder. It says God was at work in Christ reconciling 
the world to himself. He initiated it. Our response, according to Paul in 2 Corinthians 5, is, I beseech you, be reconciled to God. Have, God, having done the, rec the work of reconciliation, now you be reconciled by responding to that reconciliation. Okay? Now, it says that we have been given the word. We have been given. Jesus was given the work of reconciliation. We've been given the word of reconciliation. So that means that our call in this battle, this warfare, is to be the initiator with the word so that the people will then respond to God. So you go and you proclaim the gospel of reconciliation so that people will then respond to God. Now, if they respond to you, we've got a problem. Our goal is that people respond to God, not to us. So we have, what, well, let's see. So reconciliation originates with God and is effective toward man. Jesus did everything that needed to be done for our salvation. All that remains is the response of saving faith. Now, Paul says that we are ambassadors. He says, therefore, we are ambassadors. Now, the office of ambassador is interesting. It's the highest ranking government representative stationed in a foreign country. Now, we can go into some of the other stuff that they talk about with that. But interestingly, the term is derived from a Middle Eastern, or a Middle English word that means a servant or minister. So we are, it's the word that interpreted, that word interpreted into Greek would more often be diakonos, a deacon, a servant, a minister, like the waiters on, table, on tables in Acts. Those guys who were full of the Holy Spirit, full of wisdom, full of faith, full of power, who had to have those qualifications in order to be a waiter on tables. We would love to have our pastors and church leaders be that qualified full of faith, full of power, full of the Holy Spirit, full of wisdom. I know of pastors who are picked by lot from their congregation to, say, to, to serve without regard to their qualifications. We have no idea if they are even reconciled to God themselves. And yet, in the New Testament, in Acts, just the waiters on tables need to be needed to be <laughs> way up there. Is this what is this the way he does it? <laughs> I've never been able to do that before. That that worked out. It's kind of fun. <clears throat> so Second Corinthians five twenty. It says, "Now then, we are." Boy, isn't that an interesting statement? It says, "Now then, we are ambassadors." It doesn't say, now then you must be, or you should be, or you shall be, or you will be, or you ought to be. It says, now then you are. So if you are reconciled to God, you are 
an ambassador. So what kind of, what are the implications of the fact that we are ambassadors? I see it that we can either be good ambassadors or poor ambassadors. Just like it says in Acts 1.8. Uh, Once you're filled with the Holy Spirit, you are my witnesses. Going to be good witnesses or bad witnesses? That's the choice we have to make. <clears throat> in Ephesians 6, Paul says, Pray for me that utterance may be given unto me, that I may open my mouth boldly so as to make known the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in bonds, and therefore that I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. What does it sound like an ambassador expects to do? Speak boldly and proclaim the gospel. An issue of warfare. Isn't that interesting? That witnessing, evangelizing, making disciples is an area of spiritual warfare. Most of us don't hear about that. Most of us, with our contemporary views of spiritual warfare, do our casting out of demons and our dancing with uh, flags and our little things, diddly things, whereas the word of God makes it clear that the first line of defense is the word of the gospel spoken by us. With regards to ambassadors, there is a sender, there is a message that the sender has, there is an office to be filled, and a messenger prescribed to fulfill that office. The office of ambassador is filled by one who is an ambassador. So there's a sender and a message, the office and the ambassador himself. Jesus, the head of the body, which is the church, says, therefore I send you as the Father hath sent me. Jesus came as an ambassador. He sends us as ambassadors. I've mentioned this a couple times before. We need to recognize that our relationship to Jesus at this point in our life as reconciled people is that of master-slave. Unto us is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. If you are saved, Jesus by your proclamation of confession of faith and surrender to him, Jesus is Lord. Because know you not that you've been bought with a price and you are not your own. So you are an ambassador. We love to think of Jesus as Savior. We cringe when we think of us as slaves and him as Lord. But Jesus is called Savior 24 times in the New Testament, and he's called Lord 720 times in the New Testament. So I think that the preponderance should be that we regard him as Lord. So the messenger, the sent one, that's us. We are messengers. We are the ambassadors sent by our sender with a message and an office to fulfill. Okay, what I did was I went online to several nations' um, 
government websites to look at their job descriptions for ambassador. Kind of fun to see what the, the job description is for an ambassador. So th these are the qualities that an ambassador needs. And we'll think about it and realize that most ambassadors don't fill these, but they had to hire somebody, you know. <laughs> Loyal and trustworthy. Wholly given to the sender. Integrity. These are from the governments of the world, okay? Integrity. No personal agenda. Intent on doing the will of the sender. Clear, concise, and complete communication. I mean, think back about Paul, what he told the Ephesians in Acts 20. He says, don't you remember that I came to you and I didn't refrain from telling you anything that was important. I spoke everything that you needed to know. Colossians 1, 28 and 29, he says, my desire is that you be fully warned and fully taught so that I can present you fully mature as the bride of Christ. Fully warned and fully taught. Wow. Where do you find that these days? Now, here's a fun one. Remember, an ambassador is the highest ranking official in another country. One of the things that they require is expert in the culture, language, and customs of the country you're going to. Well, who's more expert at the world than us? Where did we spend a lot of our life just living and being worldly people? Who better to call as an ambassador than us? Those who were a part of the world and have come out. Supposed to be ones who take initiative, who offer leadership, who have love, care, and concern for the country they're going to. They handle authority well, both being in authority and under authority. They're experts in making appeals. They're disciplined in self-control. And then two that were really interesting. They remember things. They have good memories. And they're good at reminding people of things. In other words, they remind their diplomats of the way they're supposed to be. They remind their sender like Moses did. God, remember, these are your people. They're not my people. You gave them to me. What are you going to do? You're going to make the world despise you? you? They're reminders, too. And then they had lists of what ambassadors don't do. And this is curious, because we would think that ambassadors do this. They don't negotiate. Well, isn't that what an ambassador does? He goes and negotiates peace. Only with the tools and to the limits that his sender allows him to. He says, this far and no further. I don't have the right to go this far. No false promises. You ever heard somebody say, come to Jesus, he'll solve your problems. It's a false promise. 
Come to Jesus, you'll have tribulation and trials. We can't misrepresent our sender. I'd like to have you meet Jesus. He's my good buddy. Let's go play tennis. Can't be a coward. Can't be a man pleaser. You can't avoid responsibility. You can't be fearful. And right in there, you can't afford to forget your sender or your message or your office. So there's a sender, a message, an office, and a messenger. And the ambassador must be found being a faithful representation of the sender. He must faithfully represent his sender. He must give faithful expression of the message that the sender gives. He can't mess with the message. I don't know if anybody ever heard of a guy named Marshall McLuhan. Years back, he was a, a communications expert, years back, before the majority of you were born. But he said, the medium is the message. In other words, if a messenger goes with an, with a, and says true content with bad character, it's the bad character that gets communicated. So we have to faithfully fill the office. And here's, here's a fun one. It says in Hebrews 1 that angels are sent to minister help to the heirs of salvation. So what does that leave us to do? We're sent to minister help to the heirs of damnation. Ministers, it says, are sent to help people who are saved. We're sent to serve those who are unsaved. It's kind of fun to think that the angels are there to help us and we're there to help, help the others. So again, our goal in this war that we're in is to faithfully, is first of all to know our sender. Know him well enough that we can say something like, your wish is my command. To have a predecided yes when he says, go and say this, rather than a willingness to say, I wonder if there's another way to do that. As soon as we, when it comes to obedience, we can't afford to think about it. Just the same way as it, when it comes to disobedience or temptation. If we don't respond by doing what Paul told Timothy, flee youthful lusts, if we stand around and think about it, we've lost the battle already. So in order to be that faithful ambassador, we have a sender who has a message. We need to know the sender, be in right relationship with the sender, know the message, have the message be part of our life, not part of our knowledge bank. In other words, where I just don't 
spew knowledge and hope that something catches, but it's actually part of my life. And there's an office. We are ambassadors. We need to represent our sender. We need to represent the message. We need to be that kind of person. And then we have to boldly speak the message. Those are all biblical requirements of being an ambassador who has the responsibility of delivering the enemy into the hands of a loving, reconciling God. That is our warfare. That's the first level of warfare for us. Let's pray. Thank you, Heavenly Father, that you did it all. Lord, that we are reconciled to God by the blood of Jesus Christ. And there is nothing else that Jesus needs to do for us. We confess that you are our master. We are sent by you and that we are ambassadors. God, that we would be faithful ambassadors, good ambassadors, accurate, honest, with no agenda of our own. That our communication would be complete and clear and concise. And that we would take up our place in the battle on your behalf, God. There is a world who hates you, as we did once. Let us be among those who fight that battle boldly. In Jesus' name, amen. Daily Thunder is a listener-supported production of Ellerslie Discipleship Training. At Ellerslie, we are laboring to rouse the Church of Jesus Christ out of its lethargy and build brave-hearted Christians for such a time as this. Daily Thunder is delivered live and streamed daily Monday through Friday at 8.15 a.m. And our weekend service is streamed at 9 a.m. on Sunday mornings. Join us at live.ellersley.com. We invite you to visit us at the beautiful Ellerslie campus in Windsor, Colorado for a day, a week, or an entire season of gospel-centered spiritual training. Learn more at ellersley.com. Thanks for listening.